Rush and Welcome back to another episode of Fresh and Buds. I'm your host, Tommy Fresh. Fresh, you can call me whatever you want. And you guys are all my buds. And I'm joined by a bud today uh, who I met in person uh, at a skirmish event in Flemington, New Jersey, which was a lot of fun. Uh, please welcome Dana Haywood. I got that right, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, wrapping up some stuff for, for the holiday season, but doing doing pretty well overall. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm wrapping up uh, my holiday stuff as well. This this episode will come out after the holidays, but, you know, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, it's it's always relevant, you know, that we're all so busy all the time. But uh, a <laughs> it's little... kind of always a holiday season, depending on what time of the year it is, you know? Very true. Very true. Actually, this will be coming out the week of my birthday, I think. So that is somewhat of a, a holiday in, in itself. Nice. Um, <laughs> turning the big 3-0. So, um, yeah, yeah, finally did it. Made it. Um, so, I mean, assuming as if, if this episode didn't come out, well, actually, obviously, if you're listening to it, it did come out. So let's uh, not even worry about it. So uh, a little background on how me and Dana met. We were we were doing a skirmish, as I said. It was a draft skirmish. Uh, I believe we were passing to each other, were we not? I think you were yes, two. I think you were on my left, which is relevant. <laughs> yeah, it is relevant. And uh, we were both on Oldham, which was... Uh, um, I, I almost didn't even realize that you were going to be on Oldham next to me. Um, so... Me neither, which probably speaks to maybe my drafting abilities, but <laughs> I, it worked out okay, I think. <laughs> I, I think so, too. I think we, we both ended up with pretty decent Oldham, Oldham decks, and, um, you know, we were sitting there, you know, you know how it goes in a draft. You, you draft your deck, and then you kind of lay it out in front of you, and then you look over to the person to your right and left, and you're like, <laughs> oh, oh, and you start thinking about, okay, yeah. some things started to come together. Um, you know, I think, uh, one of the notable things was the, I think the lack of, um, ice I was getting. Um, and I think you, did, am I remembering correctly? You had a decent amount of ice in your Oldham, uh, deck. So or... I guess it's possible. I usually go for earth if I'm going to go Oldham, mm -hmm. but, um, it is totally possible that I was grabbing ice out of, you know, absolute necessity. I don't know. Sometimes I start drafting and then things go wrong very quickly. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. scrambling, so. Yeah, sometimes, especially in Flesh and Blood, because you can, you feel like this pressure to kind of find your lane pretty early as yes. opposed to some other card games uh, that we won't be naming. Uh, actually, <laughs> Magic the Gathering is the one I'm talking about. You get, you get a little oh. more leeway in Magic, I feel like, uh, but in, in Flesh and Blood, I think you need to know which hero you're going to be by the end of pack one, or else you got to yeah. be ready to play a bunch of crack bobbles, I think. Yeah, especially I think in Aria where, you know, you're kind of like also fighting over the elements and you have to maybe pivot into something else halfway through. So, yeah, I I, I agree that you have to kind of pick early sometimes, Absolutely. or at least that's my strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a solid strategy. So, uh, yeah, we, we ended up talking, uh, you know, just uh, chatting and and. Uh, and you had mentioned that you you went to Orlando. You had uh, participated in nationals, which we'll get to. Um, 
uh, in a bit. And then we actually ended up playing each other, which was, uh, you know, just got to love the Oldham versus Oldham matchup, which was... Uh, yeah. Know, <laughs> a who grind. Has, who has more efficient cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and 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 I, 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 you know, one of the things that I like to kind of gauge when when I want someone on the podcast is like if they're cool to chat with and cool to hang with. And I thought you were Dana, and and I asked if you wanted Thanks. to come on, and we're gonna talk some uh, some kind of like inclusivity stuff, and 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 uh, some you know I guess the title of the podcast is opening some doors in flesh and blood sure. for new players. And but before we get to that. Uh, I want to get kind of your origin story. You know, where where did uh where did you start getting into gaming and, or tabletop gaming and, and card games in general? Sure. Yeah. Um. So I started getting back into collecting Pokemon cards first, actually, uh, probably in like 2018 before the huge Pokemon boom. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's how I started kind of getting back into cards, and then when the pandemic hit. Um, you know, I was seeking things to do, I guess you could say. Uh, and I kind of looked around my apartment and I was like, oh, there's tons of Pokemon cards here because I had been collecting them, uh, with my boyfriend. Um, and so we started kind of playing the Pokemon TCG, um, and then started kind of, you know, watching videos about strategy and, uh, playing the online client. Um, and then I think that was kind of like, you know, the gateway drug of card games, I guess. (laughs) Um, and so uh, one of my friends, Austin, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about Pokemon stuff because he was collecting Pokemon at the time, too. And then uh, he's kind of like a jack of all TCGs, I guess. And um, he got into Flesh and Blood and was like, this game is awesome. You should totally try it. Um, I was a little skeptical at first because, you know, it's a little bit of a leap from like Pokemon to Flesh and Blood, both in kind of gameplay and also obviously aesthetic. Um, but so he came over and, and taught me how to play the game. And it was kind of like an instant sell i think uh i yeah i just found it really addictive right away and then um i got my boyfriend into it and then we kind of you know we have like live-in playtest partners basically so um kind of just went from there but um i have always been kind of like a tabletop video gamey type of person so i think it was already kind of like predisposed uh to getting really into flesh and blood gotcha so. now pokemon uh yeah i i my I guess history with Pokemon TCG is very limited. I will say I remember I had the Game Boy Color game uh, where you yeah. could play <laughs> TCG. I mean, which was actually a lot of fun. And uh, I, how has has the game changed much since then? I mean, obviously I'm familiar with the collectability of the game. Um, yeah, but I I don't know how the gameplay is as it stands now. Yeah, um, so basically it's gotten, I guess power creep is maybe the right way to talk about it. So in the beginning, it was kind of like all the Pokemon had, what, like 60 HP was was kind of decent. And now there's these massive VMAX Pokemon that have 360 HP. And if you knock one out, you claim three prizes. And to win the game, you need six prizes. So basically in, in one knockout, you can take half the game. So it's very... I think it's it's a lot of shorter games than it used to be, kind of like more of a back and forth thing. And now um, it's a little bit more dependent on what you draw when, um, which is very different from Fab, right? So oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a fun game to play. It's just very 
very different. It's, it's, yeah, I think there's a lot more variance. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is something that I don't love, which is why <laughs> I think Fab made a lot more sense for me. But I do still, you know, Pokemon has a special place in my heart for sure. Now, are, are you a lifelong Pokemon fan in general? Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so I started playing the games, when the video games, when I was very young. Um, I have two older brothers, and so I'd get all of their, like, hand-me-down cartridges. Um, so nice. I kind of grew up playing playing the, the video games. And, um, yeah, I've always been a fan. I've got a lot of, you know, figures and collectible stuff. And then when I got back into the cards, it was kind of just like a nat- natural progression from there. So. Gotcha. Now, so those VMAX cards, those are the... I, you know, I, I don't know. So a friend of mine has a, a an Instagram, I think it's Gengar Gang. I'll give him a shout out. But he does, uh, nice. a, he, he sells and, and collects Pokemon cards. Yeah. Those, those VMAX cards, those like the sought after ones that people like the, the cold foils of the, of the Pokemon <laughs> world. Um, so I'd say that the more sought after cards are the alternative arts or the full arts. So those do, you know, VMAX has come in alternative arts and, and full arts. Gotcha. Um, so sort of, but yeah, um, there's, a, there's a couple different chase cards. It depends on the set, depends on a lot of the times, which Pokemon, right? Like obviously everyone knows Charizard's the big, the big boy that everybody's looking for. So if there's a Charizard in the set, a lot of times that's a chase card, but there's also, um, some cool like full art trainer cards, which are, um, you know, not Pokemon, but highly sought after as well. Um, so kind of just depends on the set, but there, there is some really nice looking stuff, um, but it's not as elegant as cold foils, I would say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you a hundred percent, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, obviously I'm a little bit biased, uh, but before we get into flesh and blood, uh, just what's your favorite Pokemon of all time? Oh my goodness. That's such a hard question. <laughs> Oh, let's, let's um, keep it the prob- let's keep it the Gen One. Let's do that. How about that? Because right. that's I yeah, know the one fifty the best. Sure, it's got to be Snorlax then. Okay, all right, Snorlax. Any reason yeah. why? Just... He's so cute. He's big. He <laughs> likes to eat. He likes to sleep. You know. Hey, I guess we I can like all relate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, uh, that's a respectable answer. I'm a Haunter guy myself. Nice, um, nice. But, you know, also is... a respectable answer. No, thank you, thank you. I almost wish that Haunter was the last uh, evolution of Ghastly instead of Gengar, because I just think Haunter looks cooler, but hmm. it's what it is, uh, you know. I'll you might to... get some hate for that take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, it's possible. I know Gengar's pretty popular, but, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not here to... I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to be Mr. Popular, <laughs> you know. So, uh, Flesh and Blood... You know, you you said that you really enjoyed the game when you started playing it. Um, what, why why flesh and blood, or why did it really uh, resonate with you, and why did you decide to, you know, be competitive with it? Sure. Um, I mean, I think you know I touched on this a bit, but I think the thing about Fab for me is that it's so versatile. Whereas a lot of other card games, you're like in Fab, your your hand is so playable at any given point right like you could use any card to pay for something or attack or defend or do something like you never really have a dead hand in fab you may not be able to do exactly what you want to do but you can always kind of play out your hand draw four new cards um for the most part unless you're playing date at all um (laughs) and there's something you can do right and i think um that's something i really value in a card game because i like to play a lot of cards i like decks that kind of play out a lot of cards 
Um, and so that's really appealing to me. Whereas, you know, like with the Pokemon trading card game, sometimes you're waiting for an energy. You're just kind of sitting there like waiting to draw the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Fab has this kind of like versatility that I really like. Um, I also really like that there's different play styles for each hero and even like within each hero. Um, so you, you can kind of keep things fresh all the time by building different styles within a hero or changing your hero completely. Um, and I like the art style a lot too for a lot of the, the classes and I like that each class kind of has its own identity. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the kind of the main things. Um, I also even like how there's levels of competition in terms of events. Like you could mm -hmm. play more casually or you can play super competitively and there's kind of like scales in between that. Um, I find that really appealing too, because sometimes I'm just trying to have a good time and sometimes I'm trying to, you know, kind of sweat. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, so those are the main things I think. Now that's interesting that you said that, you know, it's nice that you can kind of play all your cards in flesh and blood. You know, I, I come from the magic, the gathering side of things and I'm, I'm, I'm big and limited. I love draft. I love, I love sealed and you know, the nice thing and the thing that really has made me f fall in love with flesh and blood is that in a in a draft when you draft your deck you can expect to play every single card in your deck where in in magic for example you could have drafted a really great bomb right something that's like absolutely mm -hmm. insane but it's you know six mana or whatever and you know you play your three games or your three rounds and you never even got to cast it so you know right. it, it there is a, a certain amount of um, you know, completionistness to flesh and blood, if that's even a word, um, that uh, is satisfying. So now, yeah. do, you, do you have a favorite hero? Well, I guess a favorite hero to play with and maybe just a favorite hero that, you know, you want to be good, but isn't yeah, sure. quite there yet? Uh, my answer is the same for both of those questions because I'm kind of a loyalist. Um, I love Dash. Dash is my favorite hero. I play right. her all the time. Um, but she's not currently, you know, the right thing to play technically if you're trying to be super competitive in this current meta. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, Dash was the first hero that I kind of really got heavily invested in. And then I, you know, just kind of like fell in love with her play style. I said before, I love to play out cards and, and like kind of play aggressively. And when I first found Dash, um, I was playing like strictly aggro, aggressive Dash. Um, and that's very much like play out as many attacks as you can boom 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 you know um with, so i think uh, that really the boosting or the the pistols i guess i don't i don't so I don't... both okay all right yeah so um even aggressive dash you can use the pistol kind of at the end of a long chain of you mm -hmm. know you could like boost two or three cards and then pitch a blue and still shoot with the pistol twice um so you know that kind of appealed to me this like widespread of a ton of damage um, and then as I got more into her and started playing around classic construction, classic constructed, um, I realized that you could also obviously pivot into control for certain matchups, which, um, I, you know, I'm not, I don't love playing control personally, but that style has kind of like grown on me depending mm -hmm. on, depending on the matchup. And that's where you're kind of like getting out a ton of items and just managing your resources and shooting with the pistol, you know, three times for four, if you're using plasma purifiers and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I got really invested in her. I love how she looks. I love how she plays. Um, so that's my girl. 
Yeah, she really speaks to the, well, I guess the lovers of aggro or, or even versatility in general, because uh, I guess a lot yeah. of Katsu, you can play her in, in multiple different ways. And also, um, you know, people who love steampunk is uh, she's she <laughs> yeah. is the steampunk hero. I mean, that's, that's what she yeah. is. Um, uh, I have to say, I my experiences against Ash have uh, rarely been positive, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, however, with the printing of Rampart of the Ram's Head, yes. I've, I've, I've enjoyed the matchup a little bit more, um, at least yeah. when I'm playing Oldham, but I'm usually playing Leviah, so, um, uh, nice. and I've, I've mentioned that on the podcast many times, and, and people know that I, I have a deep, uh, hatred for myself by, uh, showing up to events with Leviah, so... Um. No, I've actually been meaning to get into Leviah. Um, as much as I love Dash, you can only play the same hero so many times, right? Mm. So I'm actually kind of on the on the prowl for new hero, and Leviah is one of the ones that I've been looking at well, um, because she does kind of like been... throw down. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, she's she's a puzzle for sure. Right. <laughs> so right. Right. I'll send you a list I've been messing around with. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun, but um, yeah. So so you obviously got into competitive flesh and blood um mm -hmm. did you sit down when road to nationals was announced and say i, I want to qualify because you did qualify for nationals and how was that experience um of doing the road to nationals uh, event or events i don't know how many you did if if you did more than one um yeah take us a little bit through uh that journey Sure. Um, yeah, I never sat down and said, like, I'm going to qualify for nationals. Um, it definitely was something that I was hoping to achieve. Um, I should say to not. So there's two ways to get into nationals. You can win and or you can I think it's top four a road to nationals event. Mm -hmm. Or if you have enough XP over X amount of time, um, you can qualify that way. So I got in through XP. Oh, okay. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't like I top four to Road to Nationals. I only played one Road to Nationals actually, um, even though we were signed up for a couple more. Um, I can't remember. Oh, there was a there was like a massive hurricane in New Jersey, which and does oh. that ever happen? Yeah, I, um, I actually played a, <laughs> I played a Road to Nationals that day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so maybe that's the one I missed because of that. Maybe yeah. we were supposed to be at the same one. <laughs> yeah, um, I did very poorly, but yeah. Continue. Yeah, well, so <laughs> I did play one road to nationals where I also did very poorly. Um, so that is not how I got in. But yeah, so so I never really, I don't know, I think I kind of got competitive just by virtue of playing so often that I kind of kept wanting to push myself to the next level. Um, I never really started the game saying, you know, I'm going to go to all these events. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to be practicing this game all the time. I'm going to be playing three to four times a week. And, you know, it kind of just... Um, I guess it snowballed. Like when I got into it, it just kind of, you know, kept. It's a it's a game that really makes you want to get better at it. I think mm -hmm. inherently, um, and so that that's kind of just what pushed me. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I played often enough, and I did well enough consistently over time that I got into nationals. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a nice perk. Um, well, you know, the the XP requirement was nothing to to laugh at either. I mean that. From what I remember, mm -hmm. it was it was not that easy to to get the XP invite. Right. So yeah, I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, um, mm -hmm. but you had to play pretty consistently and do you know, you either had to play super often or do well enough, you know, when you did play to kind mm -hmm. of get in. Um, 
so yeah, I you know I wasn't at the top of the XP leaderboards, but you know I I snuck in there. High so. enough, right? You know you got high that. enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now yeah. so then you decided to attend nationals down in Orlando. Now, yeah. um, how was that experience? That's a that's a huge tournament. Yeah. Um, so that was my first big, you know, like card event as a competitor. Um, I had been to Pokemon Worlds in. I think 2019 as a spectator and so mm-hmm. I was kind of familiar with how these large-scale things work but I uh yeah going as a player is just such a different world <laughs> like emotionally you know tensions are high you're nervous there's all these people there it's the highest level of competition um so yeah it, it was so exciting it was so awesome to be in a place that you know everybody was kind of like trying their best playing their best but also really passionately cared about this game Um, And it was really cool to see people from, you know, all over the country kind of getting together, whether they had, you know, two people at their local game store that played or, you know, in New Jersey, we have a pretty active scene. So Mm -hmm. a lot more of us from New Jersey were there. But um, yeah, it it was absolutely amazing. And I think also a lot of people coming from New Jersey made it a much better experience because we kind of had this like community of people there to kind of, you know, in between rounds, we're talking shop, we're like, oh, how'd so-and-so do, how'd so-and-so do, and it kind of made it more of like a community experience, even though it was this huge event. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. I, I would go, you know, once a month if I could, if they had a nationals every month and I qualified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you were, and I think we had talked about this when we met, you were one of very few women in, in, in nationals. Uh, yeah. Was, was that any sort of, I guess uh, the word I'm looking for is like, did that, change how you felt walking into the event or 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 did you were you you know laser focused and in, in, in sitting down and, and and jamming some games so yeah I mean to give to give people some context I did count it was easy enough to count out of like 400 something nationals competitors there were five or maybe six of us that were women um so yeah and and that's something that I had like mentally prepared for right like I Mm. knew I'm the only woman in locals I very rarely see other women um I did actually see a couple women at um road to nationals um at one of those events but you know that kind of combined like tri-state area um so so I kind of knew that was going to be the case and I was prepared for that but it's still you know it's slightly demoralizing when you when you go into it and you see that but you also you know Take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. And I was there to to play and, and be competitive. And so that's that's what I did. And actually, it's really funny because I got paired up. I think it was my second or third round uh, with one of the other women, which <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, the odds are not. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's such a shame because one of us loses. Right. And like, obviously, mm-hmm. you want I wanted uh, all the women to do decently well. So, yeah. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah absolutely. I mean, and, you know, obviously it's it's historic that you know you got to be part of the first nationals which is great and you know obviously mm-hmm. um it's historic for everybody who's there and and you know it's a it's a early game we're going to get to some of this later but you know it's hopefully you know that sort of ratio changes uh in in the yeah. future and we're going to talk about some ways that that could possibly happen but um a quick question mm-hmm. before we get into a crack a pack do you have I mean, so we already know that there's going to be a ProQuest season season in yes. in 2022, and that, which means we're probably going to have our Pro Tour and, and possibly even Worlds next year. We'll see. 
Um, you know, obviously things are crazy right now with uh, Omnicrom and and all that fun yeah. stuff. But you know, assuming things are, are you know we can get some stuff together. Do you have competitive aspirations for Flesh and Blood in twenty twenty two? Uh, yes and no. I I think I always aspire to be competitive. I'm not sure how you know how that'll actually pan out. Um, I am working on my master's degree right now, and that mm-hmm. that sucks up a lot of my time and attention. Uh, and this is a game that you know obviously directly benefits from the amount of time and and practice that you can put into it. Um, so yes, I, you know I I'm absolutely going to try. I'm going to be hitting the pro quests and and all of that. I won't probably not be taking dash this time maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I do definitely have aspirations. Well, who knows with Everfest, you know, it could be a totally, oh, someone's here. <laughs> um, uh, uh, with Everfest, the, the meta kit definitely changed for, for Dash, and maybe Dash is the right right call for the ProQuest. Well, I guess That's we'll, true. We will see in February when um, that happens. Do you need to get that? I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. All right. It's probably um, the mail. I'm sorry. That's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that time of year we're getting, like, like 10 packages a day yeah uh, even, even right. here so i'm actually not even going to edit that out because i want people to know that this is you know <laughs> this is exactly this is real <laughs> life right now so uh let's get to in a the crack- flesh and blood in the flesh and blood yeah um so let's get to a crack a pack uh we're gonna crack a pack of tales of aria first edition which um my lgs um luckily had um nice. uh, do you want to shout out your lgs that you, that you play out normally absolutely we... yeah. yeah sure um i play at greg's games in hamilton new jersey um nice, pretty nice. frequently i play at a, a large circuit of lgs's in new jersey but that's that's my my core so i've been meaning to get down there it's it's in my work territory um and, and a buddy of mine who lives in philly has been wanting to get there too i tend to go up north to highlander games in Booton, but um yeah just a little bit closer but um yeah but yeah, shout out to LGSs that are playing Flesh and Blood right now because you know we need you. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, crack this pack and get that nice uh, crack of pack sound going. I got a frostbite token with Lexi on the other side. So nice. I'm gonna go through these cards. Uh, first up is Earthlore Surge Red. Um, this, this is a this is an awesome card. This is the uh, Earth action next attack action card. You play this turn, gains plus five. Go again. How do you feel about Earth Lore Surge? I think it's super strong. Um, although I know that some people, when they're playing Oldham, kind of first pick it. But I think I would. When I usually draft Oldham, I usually go for Blue Earth first. Mm-hmm. So I would see what else is in the pack. I think, but I think for Briar, it's super super strong, and it's good in Oldham as well. So, Absolutely, yeah. That, it's a, definitely a strong pick. It's a great uh thing to go into a thump with. I, I, I uh, oh oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next <laughs> we have need in- to see that. Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, Entwine Ice is next. This is the red one. Uh, this is a card I'm not super high on, but this is elemental action, five attack, two defense, has ice fusion. If it it's fused, it gets dominate. Yeah. It's not where I want to start. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, it's it's filler. You know, I, I've I've been known to throw it in in Oldham. Uh, I don't think it's really that great in Lexi, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely would not be picking it up out of the gate, but yeah. 
deck. Not the worst. Really not. We do have a pretty strong lightning card here. Uh, ball lightning, yellow. Uh, this is okay. the one that comes in for two. Zero costed. Mm -hmm. um, go again. You know, you know, ball lightning. Uh, the red one's obviously where you want to be, but um, I mean, in Briar, it seems seems to be. I mean, even in in Lexi as well. Yeah, actually, the blue one is pretty decent too, right? Because people who wants to block a one, no one. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I feel like the blue one actually comes through sometimes. It does. It does. That's a good point. Um, next we have yellow breakground. Uh, this is the mm. six attack. Um, uh, you may put a card from your arsenal on the bottom of your deck if you do draw a card. I'm I'm only on the blue one. Maybe the red one. Yeah. Usually. I I agree. I don't think I would ever take the yellow unless I really had to. Red or blue is pretty solid, though. Yeah. I don't know why they threw... This is weird. They have... Um, we have an Elemental Guardian action aura. The blue emerging avalanche. Uh, do you, now, do you like this in Oldham? I personally don't really play this one as much. Yeah. I mean, I would really only take the most of the Guardian auras for the three block. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I don't, I don't usually find myself playing them out ever, so it, it's more of like a for a blue pitch or, or the three block. Yeah, I find myself with the Strength of Sequoia one a little bit more. And, mm. I mean, the three block's great, but, you know, if I have a decent amount of thumps, um, it's it's not the worst thing to, to get going and if you can reliably get that yeah. seismic surge. Um, but definitely not on That's... it out of the gates here. Um, yeah, that is really good because the thumb costs uh, four, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that brings it down to, to three, which is pretty good. Yeah, nice little interaction there. Uh, Summerwood Shelter Red. This is the That's Earth pretty Instant. strong. Oh, yeah. I like this card quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I think this card goes well in, in both Briar and Oldham. Obviously, you want it in Oldham, I think, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. Um, and it's one of my favorite arts in the in the set. Yeah, that one looks so nice in foil too. Oh yeah, it's just laying there, nice. Uh, we do have a majestic. This is a uh, channel thunder step. Ah uh, yes. This is the. <laughs> I feel like that's the majestic I always pull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you know out of all the channels, uh, I hate this one the most <laughs> just because not even because it's like. The playability or anything it's just channel lake frigid channel mount heroic they flow so well off the tongue but when you get the channel thunder step or step a no it's step right or step yeah step it's a? step yeah yeah, yeah it just step. doesn't you know it's just not um Fair pleasing point. to say but i think know. it also has the weakest effect out of the three it does but, yeah um for for those who don't know it's a lightning action aura Whenever you play an action card, you may pay one. If you do, it gains go again. And then it has the channel lightning. You put a counter on it and have to get rid of a uh, lightning out of your um, your pitch zone. I don't yeah. think we're on it just... out of the gates either. I think maybe I'm, I might be on Summerwood Shelter so far. Yeah, I think I think either the Shelter or the Earthlore Surge probably at this point. Or mm, Ball Lightning you can always make an argument for. Definitely, definitely. We'll see how the rest of the pack goes. Usually the back half of the pack isn't first pickable, but uh, we'll talk about mm. it anyway. We have a foil yellow polar blast. Uh, not really on that 
um, alligators mm. ever. Um, yeah. Yep. And then our equipment, honing hood. Um, okay. If you're in Lexi, it's a, you to, you definitely want it, um, but you don't want to yeah. start off with it for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, I uh, think the only equipment I would pick first would be deep blue. Deep blue, yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, outside of legendaries, of course, but yeah. Well, the con yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Though I, you know, I haven't had that kind of luck, so I, I don't even have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I guess deep blue. I, I could see an argument based on the pack for uh, the Cracker Jacks. Um, mm. if, if, uh, if the pack's pretty weak, but yeah, deep blue, uh, we do have this red strength of Sequoia. Um, you know, as we, we already talked about, not really high on it, but if you get good amount of thumps, uh, red flake out, do you, have you drafted much Lexi? So I've tried to make it work a couple times. Actually, before I started playing Oldham in draft, I was playing a lot of Lexi. Um, and I think the the Ice Lexi, if you're the only one in your pot playing it, can be super strong. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really, it's got such a tough matchup against Oldham that you're kind of, you know, like rolling the dice a little bit with it. But uh, yeah, I, I like Ice Lexi a lot, um, but it is, it's an uphill battle a bit, I think. Have you played any Lexi in draft? Just a little bit. I I, I find that um, it's it's hard to get the critical amount of red arrows sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same with blue, you know, earth and blue pitches for Oldham in that way. Um, right. It's it's a it's a different challenge, and and I think I'm just so high on Oldham and and Briar in general and earth stuff that I I rarely, unless it's super open, I rarely get into. Uh, Lexi, but I should mm -hmm. try her out a little bit more. I, she, that's the beautiful thing about Tales of Aria draft. I feel like all the heroes can be quite powerful if drafted correctly. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah. next we have v Vela Flash. Vela Flash. This is um, yeah. This is the yellow one. Four attack, three defense. Uh, okay. Lightning fusion. Uh, if it was fused, you may play your next non-attack action as if it were an instant. Yeah, the red one is really strong for Briar. Yeah, yeah, definitely the red one. Um, it's good rate, one for five, and 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 even even if you don't have the fuse, it's it's fine. But when you do, you can really go off with it. Um, yeah, I I've had an opponent go with the uh, oh man I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the card the one that is a non-attack action that just deals arcane damage uh only a fused oh is it inspire lightning inspire lightning might be it yeah so like they they built a whole they drafted a whole deck that was veal flashes and inspire lightnings and it, it was it was out of control <laughs> yeah um, especially in draft where you can't really block much of the arcane that's rough mm, yeah which is yeah definitely a, a an issue the one the one qualm i have with uh tales of aria draft uh next we have blue thump mm -hmm. i like thump thump is a fun card to me uh maybe not to my yeah. opponents but <laughs> right yeah thump's I pretty good I like the blue one. 
um, quite a bit because it's a good pitch for the hammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the three three block is n- n- nothing to laugh at either. Um, Buzzbolt. This is the yellow one. Four attack, three defense arrow. Mm. If it's fused, gets that little extra damage. Yeah, Buzzbolt's pretty solid. Although I, the yellow arrows just generally, I feel like, are not um, super great just coming in for the four. Although you can uh, give them the plus one. Yeah, yeah. The shiver. And, and the dominate, I guess you can you can um, make work. But with a lot all those embodiment of earth tokens out there, it's, it's yeah really, can be tough. And then mm. our final card, uh, red rights of replenishment. This is the two cost. It's six attack. Uh, Rune Blade Elemental with the Earth Fusion. If you've dealt arcane damage this turn, you may put a non-attack action card from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. And if it was fused, you may put an attack action card from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. How do you feel yeah, about that I, card? I think that, that card is much better in non-sealed formats. Like, I think that card could... You know, you get more out of it and kind mm-hmm. of like a classic constructed where you're looking to get certain things back. Um, I don't know if you really have the time in kind of like a blitz or draft scenario to mm-hmm. make it as worthwhile, but yeah, it's not bad. It is a little expensive, right? It's a two for five. Uh, two for six on the red, which actually... Oh, it is a... Okay. Yeah. Not a bad rate. Uh, one one scenario in draft, and I agree, I think you can, you can make it work a little bit more in constructed formats um but i will say that it if you can reliably fuse it you know getting that extra card back into your deck against oldham usually yes uh it's, it can be helpful so yeah, yeah so that's t- our t- crack totally fair pack. point i think i think we're on summerwood shelter yeah i'd probably agree with that as a first pick yeah i think it's the safest pick um but yeah so that was our crack pack, but we're going to get to our main topic now. Put those over in the giveaway pile. Put that over there. And yeah. So we are both players who clearly have gotten hooked on flesh and blood. And, you know, and we've we've come to it from, you know, different ways. You uh, you had a friend who introduced you to it. I, I, I heard about the organized play and I, I wanted to check it out and, you know, got hooked. Um, however, I, I think there there can be some barriers to entry, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm sure you've seen this as well. And this is something actually that um, I had uh, Bill and Jim from the Spike Feeders on uh, a couple weeks ago, and we we did talk about this a little bit. And and their their opinion, or at least Jim's opinion, was uh, that uh, a lot could be done in terms of making it a more inclusive environment just from the LGS um, perspective. So, you know, you, you walk into LGS, it has to feel uh, inclusive and, and safe and, and, and welcoming. Now, th- I think, you know, that is a great place to start. But do you feel that uh, that is a, uh, a big factor or, or do you feel that uh, more can be done? Um, I think both. I think the LGS environment for me is huge, um, especially if I'm, you know, walking in as the only woman, it, you know, you want to feel like you're in a place that's obviously safe, but also that people are going to be supportive and friendly and kind of, you know, not make comments or look at you weird or, mm-hmm. um, so I think, yeah, the environment of the actual physical store is, 
is definitely huge. And I've, you know, I play at certain stores more often versus other stores for that reason. I mean, I think, you know, the people that come or, or, you know, if I feel supported, that kind of thing is huge for me. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think LGSs can do a lot. I think that um, also in terms of what kind of events they're having, um, I think, you know, and this is just for new players generally, but especially to get more like women and minorities involved, it, you know, I think like having commoner events or sealed events or things that kind of level the playing field a little bit um, can feel a lot more approachable to new players in general. Um, so that's obviously on an LGS level as well in terms of, you know, are they only hosting skirmish events that are, mm -hmm. you know, somebody new wouldn't really want to start out there, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that the LGS is, is super, super important in all of that. Yeah. And now... So, as we stated before um, about nationals, the percentage of players that are women is is, is quite small. Uh, do, do you, I guess uh, I, I want to explore a little bit how your experience as a woman in the game has been so far. Uh, do you feel um, that there's any reason why we can't see a, a better percentage going forward? Do you feel like there are any, like... I guess, uh, major roadblocks, I think is the best word to use. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, the, the challenge is not just for flesh and blood so much as, you know, card games and the culture of card games in general. I mm -hmm. think, you know, historically, this has kind of always been a problem, although other games, I think, um, it's a little bit different. Like, I, I know that Magic has... No, not a ton of women, but there's, I would say, definitely more than, than four or five women at major events for Magic. Um, I, You know, I think it's still a new game. I think that's part of it. People are generally less willing to try out a new game if they're already on an old game that they really love. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, I mean, reasons why I think that also goes back to the environment of the LGS, especially for people that maybe not, are not, you know already playing a card game or playing tabletop games or board games or something like that. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about how we get new people and women and people of color and like all kinds of other people that are not your usual flesh and blood players mm -hmm. um, into the game. And yeah, I think like having events that, that kind of make it a more even, even playing field, but also kind of having people on a one-on-one -on -one level kind of introduce the game to others um, I know that, you know, in my experience, I had a friend directly show me how to play and then kind of invite me to events. And I think that uh, that can be huge instead of just verbally explaining to someone a game that, I mean, I don't know if you have a good elevator pitch for Flesh and Blood, but for me, it takes like 15 minutes to explain <laughs> to someone what the game is and, you know, how to play it and everything. So I think I'm just... I'm uh, working on my elevator pitch, but we'll, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it it's definitely starts out long, but, you know... It depends on how much time the people have. <laughs> right, right. Well, you'll have to share it with me if you have it so yeah. I can pitch it to people. But um, yeah, so I think like offering like the actual hands-on, you know, if the person's interested, can I can I show you how to play this game or would you like to come to an event with me speaks a lot louder than kind of like there's 15 minutes of a description of a very complex card game. Um, because I think the game is so interesting and is so you know, adaptable to different kinds of people's play styles that it does cater to a lot of different types of people. It's just kind of like getting them into it. Right. Yeah. So. I feel, um, and I think flesh and blood is in a great position right now, just by the nature of the game. And, and from someone who's played other, other card games, 
I feel like, and I think this is a general consensus as well, that the toxicity, toxicity, that's how you say it, um, in the flesh and blood community is is a lot lower. I mean, probably not non-existent um, in, in flesh and blood than other games. And I think, you know, I, you know, you can argue... Uh, as to why that is, I think maybe some of that is the nature of the game where it's not a lot of variance. It is based on, you know, mm. you making the correct plays and kind of like at the end of a game, like if, if you if you did, if you if you made some misplays, you're going to lose. And, you know, you can't really <laughs> you can't really get mad at the other person. You can only get mad at right. yourself or, or at least, you know, hopefully, you know, here uh, the podcast, we don't want people to get mad at themselves. You want to look at yourself and correct it and you know and and uh have a positive experience with that but and and there there's also there's um uh an argument to be made that it's a new game and 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 we want a lot of players we want new players we want people to try it so we can't really afford to have any um toxic behavior as well so you know i think a lot of players you know we're all very proud of this game we want people to enjoy it as well now in terms of what you think can be done uh to introduce and welcome um more you know women players and 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 other Mm -hmm. players from other minority groups uh are are some things what what are some things you would like to see done or, or or hopefully you know lss might even do in the future because yeah, in, in reality, LSS has you know more people playing their game is 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 a benefit for them. So, absolutely, um, I put a lot of thought into this, and I you know I don't think I have the absolute correct formula, but mm-hmm. I think you know attacking it from a bunch of different angles. So, you know, on the LGS level, hosting those events that are more open to new players. Um, I have also tossed around the idea, I haven't made moves on it yet, but I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it, of uh, kind of hosting like learn to play events specifically geared towards, you know, underrepresented people in the flesh and blood community, kind of um, like, oh, women learn fab night where they're kind of, uh, you know, given some kind of pre-made deck like the welcome events and it's mm-hmm. like a more casual kind of friendly thing. Um, and maybe that's something that, you know, LSS could provide like a welcome kit for or something like that. Um just because, you know, it's it's like time and resources to yeah. invest in, you know, making the decks and getting everyone out and that kind of thing. But I think events like that, you know, that kind of offer more of a casual learning environment instead of just showing up to a, you know, an established Blitz event or something could be really helpful. Um, I think I mentioned this before, too, but, you know, like personally inviting your friends that are women to play or teach them how to play or Mm -hmm. send them like links to videos or, you know, instead of just if they are interested in the game, instead of just like verbal descriptions, I find it way easier to understand what someone's talking about if I have like them physically showing me the cards or a video or something like that. Um, And I think also a lot of people don't want to come to an event for the first time for a game they don't really know how to play and be surrounded by like 20 strangers. So I think like actually inviting someone to come with you gives them the opportunity to like, Mm -hmm. you know, have somebody there if they have questions or to talk to in between rounds and stuff like that just makes it like an overall friendlier kind of experience. Um, And then I think um, like what you're doing right now, which is great um, content creators featuring women players or uh, having women on stream or asking women their opinions about the game or, uh, their experience as players, that kind of stuff, um, at least for me, goes a really long way. 
especially if, uh, you know, I was new to the game and I looked at videos of how to play. Um, if I saw like women already playing the game, um, that would probably help me kind of understand that, okay, this is, you know, obviously it's something I can do, but if I see women doing it before me, it's definitely like less of a frightening thing. Um, yeah, so that's, those are some general ideas. I do want to give a shout out to LSS for uh, doing a pretty good job with like representing women on the actual cards. I think oh, that's yeah. a huge thing that they, yeah, they do a really great job of. I mean, I think I haven't done the math, but probably 50% of the heroes are women. Maybe that's a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's gotta be close. Um, I mean, we just got spoiled a, a, a new one. Uh, yes. Alda, the nice buff woman. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I know some people that uh, do, like do like a lot of cosplay and stuff like that and and they saw that and like oh i'm ready to do that one you know hit the gym a little yeah. bit before the cosplay you know that, that <laughs> one's awesome yeah i i do think too that's another thing right like it's not just that women should be you know whatever percentage of your cards printed but that they are like strong women they're mm -hmm. cool looking women they're not like super scantily clad women they're kind of like you know representing whole schools of thought and ideas and they're they're more nuanced than um i think we've seen a lot of other fantasy stuff so um so yeah shout, shout out to lss for doing a great job with that yeah and, and i guess even just looking you know off the top of my head you, i mean our, your, our first uh woman uh hero was dorinthia you know had this kind of joan of arc mm -hmm. kind of uh thing going on with with her and then and then you, we get dash who's who's um she's awesome and then, yeah uh, Man, Levia, my my girl Levia. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, her hair's a little wild and you know, crazy. I guess it's tentacles, but you know, it's like you, you get some really like, you know, it, uh, you know, the 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 male character, the 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 men character heroes, you know, aren't the only ones that get to be cool. You know, like every like absolutely. You know, it's 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 nice. It is it is refreshing, and I think LSS is, you know, I agree, has done a great job. Now, something that I've thought about, you know, and, and I'm, I'm by no means a, a I guess, a, an expert here, but I think it would be kind of a neat idea. You know, we're, we're going to get announced um, a bunch of huge events in 2022. It'd be interesting if, if you know, like um, Vegas, like if they do another calling in Vegas, kind of, you know, they have the room there. You can do like a whole, you can have a whole another side event going on, you know, for for welcoming, you know, these underrepresented uh, players and, and, and kind of, you know, give them a reason to, you know, get to enjoy the huge event aspect of things as well. Um, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. Obviously, you know, it could be over uh, um, overwhelming and, 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 and stuff like that. But I, does that, does that, so, is that something that you think that would, would draw um, new players and, and, and women and, and minorities to the game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I mean, I think it's always good to like, yeah, carve out spaces for people um, that might be underrepresented in the game. I guess I'm wondering how, like, yeah, because the callings are such big events, like yeah. how people would, you know, is that going to be their first introduction to the game? Is that for kind of people that are already are in the game, kind mm -hmm. of already playing, that kind of thing? I mean, it's it's definitely a good idea. I just with the callings being so like spread out across the country and stuff, I wonder yeah. if people would travel. True, um, true. But that kind of thing could be incorporated on a smaller scale too. Yeah. 
I guess I'm also thinking that the main goal should still be to increase inclusivity in the main events. And I'm not sure that a side event accomplishes that as much, but I get where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah there's, that's there's also, something to think about. Yeah, there's also, you know, some, I, you know, we, we have these skirmish um, style seasons and, you know, these, these armory kits and stuff like that. I wonder if there's some kind of, yeah, like we said earlier, some kind of like kit for something like that at the LGS level. Um, you know, the, the problem with that is, you know, with, with flesh and blood, especially people, people really like chase the, the promos. Um, yeah. so like, you know, I, it would, it wouldn't be super effective if, if we had like a, you know, a, a nice promo for, for one of these events and, and, uh, you know, your local spike just shows up with like, you know, uh, a briar deck <laughs> and takes down the whole thing. Yeah. So. Uh, that is a fair point, right? It's kind of like a, a thin line of how much can you incentivize without like drawing out the masses for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, and it's not even like I, w- I wouldn't blame a lot of people. Like, you know, if 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 one of these events had more of those holiday crack bobbles, which I'm like in love with, like I might <laughs> pretend like I was a new player. I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, give me yeah. a new deck, you know. But in in uh, all seriousness, no, I, I think there there can be something. Uh, done for that and and you know um hopefully we see that um happening and now are you seeing more commoner events and and um i guess sub supers is a style like where you include the rares um in the in the constructed deck which actually my lgs is running a some like a sub super slash popper slash commoner event next armory next week which is exciting yeah have you you seen more of those yeah, oddly enough, I feel like I've seen them more now. I think it, people are like kind of using it as a holiday thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't actually been to like a commoner event yet. I think there's actually one next week, maybe near me. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know why not have those all year round if it's going to be a holiday thing. Um, so I think yeah, I think those are great. I wish that I saw more of them. Um, I know that a bunch of us are trying to encourage stores to kind of mix up formats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not just obviously we want to attract new people too, but I think, uh, you know, if you play Blitz every week for four months, you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> I want to play something else. Um, so, yeah, I think those things help everybody, right? Like it shakes up the format for the people that already play, and it also gives an opportunity for a lot of newer people to get involved. Um, so I'd love to see more of that. I, I will certainly be suggesting that to, to the stores around me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and the nice thing about when they told us that they were going to do the commoner uh, armory next week is, uh, you know, oh, we've been, you know, they, they've been paying attention to kind of people talking on the Internet and stuff like that about, you know, some LGSs across the country or whatever are, are, are seeing lower turnout because newer players are getting turned off by the highly competitive stuff. So it's mm-hmm. good that, you know, the LGSs are are, are at least in 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 my case my lgs is is looking at that and hopefully you know that's a that'll be a good thing going forward you know it can't really hurt to do at least one per month for an armory i i i um yeah i think and um and you know i mean look at i mean i don't know how familiar you are with magic but popper is still a huge format for magic I, a lot of people still play popper so there's no reason why flesh yeah. and blood can't have a similar success with commoner yeah, I, I totally agree. The one thing, though, is that I, I feel like we have to encourage the LGSs to, to kind of, like, publicize it wider than within mm-hmm. the current networks, right? Because if 
it's great if you play commoner you know but if the same eight people show up that normally show up to your mm. regular blitz event or something um it's not really like opening the door to new people so yeah. um you know it's kind of on us as players too right like if you see that a commoner event is coming um that's a great opportunity to invite your friends and your new players um, yeah friends but i mean so. and we all have commons laying all over the place and, and oh you can, yeah you can make a deck <laughs> i got i i built my commoner deck last night in like five minutes like i was like oh this is this would be fun and then i was like oh it's already done so like i was like all right oh well, i can build a few more if people come so yeah you know. i'm currently staring at stacks and stacks of unsorted cards that i'm sure i could make hundreds of commoner oh, decks yeah. out of so we are not so different you and i um so <laughs> yeah um First of all, this has been great. Thank you for coming on and, and, and talking. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I you know I I love talking about this game. I'm I'm happy to think about ways to get new people involved. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely, and yeah, you know, and I think we both agree: the more people playing, uh, no matter who they are, um, is is positive for the game and, and will make um, make sure that we are playing this game for for many years to come. Uh, now, yes. do, do, do you have anything to plug? I know you're, um, you know, you don't really create any content and you're, you're working on your masters. Do you have anything you want to plug at all, you know, um, before, uh, we say goodbye? Um, sure. I mean, yeah, I already said Greg's games, shout out, um, shout out to my friend Austin who introduced me to the game. Uh, shout out to my friend Connor, my boyfriend Connor, geez, um, <laughs> for, for being my living, you know, testing partner. Um, and for being as passionate about this game that I am. Um, and, hmm, I don't think so. I think that's it. Uh, invite your friends that are women to play the game. That would be my last plug. Yeah. Now, uh, we're both from New Jersey. Um, yes. Well, actually, I'm from Connecticut. But oh, I've lived from... in New Jersey for a very long time. Okay. So. All right. Well, never mind then. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what? I like to talk a little bit about food at the end of every episode. Uh, what is your favorite New Jersey specific dish. Okay. So I have a little bit of a saga about this. Okay. Um, I am, <laughs> I am now a vegetarian, but I used to absolutely die for a pork roll, egg and cheese. Oh. So I feel like I, I am obligated to talk about a pork roll, egg and cheese, even though I cannot eat it anymore. Um, so that would be my first, my first NJ food love. Um, I also really like the notion of salt, pepper, ketchup, which doesn't really exist in other places on mm -hmm. even like a regular egg sandwich. Um, I find that when I go back to visit my family in Connecticut, sometimes I'm calling in like a sandwich or something and I'll say that and people don't know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that New Jersey acknowledges the salt, pepper, ketchup. Um, and then I guess I should give a specific shout out to, I went to Rutgers in New Brunswick, mm -hmm. um, the fat sandwich. Are oh, you yeah. familiar? Okay, course, so, course. you know, <laughs> so there are vegetarian fat sandwiches that I can eat now and do often uh, treat myself to. So that would be my other New Jersey food love. So I got a question. I, and I've talked about pork roll and cheese on the podcast before. I'm a huge pork roll and cheese fiend as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, what, do, what do you get? Do you get on a roll? Do you get on a bagel? What's the... Uh, What's your, I guess, carb yeah. of choice for your pork roll, egg, and cheese? Sure. So I'm a huge bagel person. Uh, my parents grew up on Long Island, so I feel like I have... Actually, my Twitter bio is bagel snob. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, very into bagels. I have very specific tastes regarding bagels, so I feel like 
it wholly depends on the place and if I can trust the bagel or not. Um, otherwise, I'd go with like, you know, like a Portuguese roll. But um, everything bagel, if it's going to be a good bagel, that's the way I go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I have to say that I agree. I'm a big bagel person as well. Um, I used to live down not too far from Greg's Games. There was a um, there was a bagel joint called Udo's by where I went to college and uh, their bagels were to die for and their pork roll was also to die for. So nice. Um, yeah. So that's going to do it for the show. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Fresh Buds Pod. Uh, you can email the show uh, Fresh Buds Fresh Buds Pod at gmail dot com. And yeah. And one more shout out to the Femmes of Fab Facebook group and Discord. Um, if any women out there are trying to join that group, it's a great resource for kind of talking about the game or uh, picking up games. Um, yeah, great resource to have. Cool. And I'll, I'll throw the link for that in the show notes. And yeah, thank you, Dana. And thank you, everybody. Goodbye.